This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is a highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name is Tracy, and I'm joined by my colleagues from the Bamboo app, Blake and Craig. Hey guys, how are you going? Very well, Tracy. How are you? Very well. Craig, how are you going today? Good, thanks, Tracy. Excited for this one. Bit topical at the moment. You are always, always excited. Yep, very topical, very topical for today. So if you are interested in cryptocurrency and peeling back the many layers of learning that come along with this space, then you have most definitely learned or picked up on the fact that crypto is notoriously volatile and it's been a common occurrence to have 50 to 90% reductions in prices through the past decade. Now, Blake, Craig and myself have lived through some of these wild swings. So today we'll do a deeper look into the history, the causes and strategies around navigating the volatility market cycles of crypto. And we'll look at how you can use this knowledge to your advantage. Now, this isn't financial advice, of course. But first, we asked you last week to take part in a survey and we wanted to hear from you and what you wanted to hear from us. So an overwhelming response. And one of the big things on the list was CEOs. So we've started to talk to some big names and we're really excited about a few of those big names coming onto the show. So that's uh, in a few weeks. So me and the boys are pretty excited about that. But we still want to know what else you want to know. And that survey will stay open for a few more weeks to come. And the link is below in the show notes. So please do help us out there. Okay, so let's talk about market cycles. We're going to go to Blake first because he is definitely a little bit more of an experienced sailor when it comes to these market cycles and you can maybe set the scene for us. So tell us what you've been through, Blake. (laughs) (laughs) The old boy. (laughs) Yeah, well, the first crypto cycle for a bull market was in 2013 and 2014. And I wasn't participating in the ecosystem then, but about a year or two after, and you know, there was certainly still, you know, people were still talking about it. And after there was a several thousand percent increase in price, there was a, a brutal drawdown, you know, which wiped a lot of people out from participating in the ecosystem just because it was so volatile. The next cycle, you know, which you know all of us lived through was the 2017 cycle. And this was primarily driven from the ICO boom, the initial coin offerings, which was a, a new way of crypto projects raising capital. And it created so much extra value in the ecosystem. It created a hype cycle with you know, crazy returns, but also pretty crazy drawdowns resulting in a longer term bear market. 
And then once there was enough data and there was quite clearly two prominent market cycles over the last 10 years, people started to you know, look for patterns and predicting you know, when the next market cycle was going to be. And over the past year, we've seen a lot of growth in this industry stirred by new technologies like DeFi, NFTs. And many people are calling this now the third cycle. Now, we don't know how long this is going to go for, if it's over or if we're just mid-cycle or even if it's a super cycle, but certainly an interesting topic to talk about because it is possible to navigate your way through these and you know, be successful. And it's probably important to note that the 2013 cycle, obviously the market was a lot smaller than what it is now, 2017 cycle. So just to paint a picture here, the crypto market cap in 2013 was only 10 billion. So the whole market cap was 10 billion. And then 2017, it was 800 billion. And now we just hit 3 trillion a few months ago. So as the market gets larger, the drawdowns don't get as bad, but still drawdowns nonetheless. And I want to go into now what a market cycle is. But before we leave, Blake, I want to ask, because you came in just after there'd been a big dump. When it started to happen again, was there fear that it wasn't going to come back again because you hadn't been through a cycle? Was it was there fear that it wasn't going to return? I suppose when I started trading, I came in mid-bear market before Ethereum was even really traded anywhere. And I didn't even know I was mid-cycle until I was <laughs> into the next cycle. <laughs> which is, which probably is a really interesting point because unless you know the market cycles and sometimes even when you know the market cycles, you don't know what point of the cycle you're in. So that's a segue into let's look at market cycles. So typically there are four phases to the crypto market cycle much like the market cycles that can be seen in other markets such as gold, property and stocks. And these are accumulation, a run-up, a distribution and a run-down. And now if you – it's really hard for me to do this as a visual, but if you want to look at something and search it up on Google, you can look for something which is called the Wall Street Cheat Sheet or the Boom and Bust Sheet. And that shows you this cycle in a little wave. So it's a little up and down sheet that will show you that accumulation, the run up and the run down. Yeah, so the first stage is accumulation. And accumulation stage is usually when the market is quite flat. And that's when people are buying, building their portfolios, waiting for a potential run-up in price. The next stage is the substantial increase in price. And sometimes it can look like it's a vertical wall <laughs> in the price increase. And then the third stage is distribution. It's when all those accumulators start selling, they've made a fair bit of money and they're ready to sell. And then there is the rundown. And the rundown is the return to an accumulation stage. It's when the price decreases. And usually the accumulation stage from the second cycle is higher, acts like a floor, than the accumulation stage on the first cycle. But you see these cycles in similar industries. So property, for example, you see a big spike in the property market and you know all the house prices are going up and then you'll see all the house prices go down in a certain area. Um, and there's different factors that are involved there with any cycle. So for example, with the property market, that would be interest rates, right? Where is a property going down in this country, Tracy? Because us millennials are still waiting for that to happen. Oh, look, you guys are priced out completely. You have to live with your mum and dad forever, Craig. <laughs> so it's probably important to note what actually causes these moves on these market cycles. Now, there is rarely a single case as to why the market price goes up and down. 
Now it's rarely a single case, but back in the day in 2013, there was certain catalysts like a big exchange hacking or a network hacking that would really dump the market. But now since we're a lot more mature, it's sort of a mixture of, I'd say, three or four different things, some fundamental, others more temporary. So one of them is the sentiment of the market. And Blake touched on this before, you know, the fear and greed of the market. So when the market's getting really, really greedy, you just know that people will be distributing their profits soon and we're probably due a cool off, which is what we could be seeing now. The second thing would be consumer and institutional trading. So when funds and new individuals are entering the market, when you're hearing your cousin or your uncle at the Christmas barbecue starting to buy crypto, you know, it's starting to, the cycle's starting to go down that way. Getting a bit frothy. Yeah, getting a bit frothy. <laughs> Another one is news. So, uh, you know, last year, this time when Tesla said that they would start to accept Bitcoin and Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live pumping his Doge coins, you know, that was obviously a catalyst for ridiculous price action. And another reason is the new tech innovations in crypto like ICOs, DeFi, gaming, NFTs. And these are all, you know, new innovations in the space, which attracts new capital, attracts new investment. And as a result of that, you know, obviously lifts the market. And potentially the most important one is the halvening. So every few years, the Bitcoin supply rewards half. And as a result of that, the supply of Bitcoin has slowed down. Yeah, I think, look, Bitcoin halving is, you know, very unique to crypto. And this is potentially one of the most important factors on the price and the market cycle. So just to clarify, the Bitcoin halving, like Craig said, occurs every four years and reduces the amount of Bitcoin that can be mined by 50%. So now what we have traditionally sees when these block rewards halve every four years, that there is a subsequent tightening of the BTC supply. And then approximately six to 12 months after each of these halvening events, that there's a drastic price increase. So the last halvening occurred in 2021, and the next one will be in 2024. But look, this is the first time that we've actually spoken about the halving, and there's a lot to it. So Blake, do you want to maybe you know, give give a bit more information on what we've just touched on? It, it is unique to crypto. And the first few times that, you know, you hear about this, it can be a little bit confusing. And, you know, that's because it doesn't happen anywhere else. So, you know, essentially what happens is that Bitcoin miners lend their computing power to secure the Bitcoin network. And they're through, they're automatically rewarded with Bitcoins every 10 minutes when they are able to secure a block on the blockchain. And as a result, they've given a reward which covers, you know, the costs associated with you know, using their computing power. And yeah, as Tracy said, every four years, the, um, the reward that is given to the miners reduces and therefore restricts supply. Well, is it sort of a case where the market realizes that the halvening's happening, happening and then it sort of pumps the market anyway because people are hyped about the halvening? And then it sort of does a double whammy. And then that's why we see these crazy spikes. Well, that's potentially you know, a component to it. But the two factors that decide price is supply and demand. And if every few years you're, you're reducing the inflation rate of Bitcoin, therefore it slows down how, how many new Bitcoins are being created. While at the same time demand is increasing, it you know naturally pushes price up. So... 
Yeah, and it does become self-fulfilling to a certain extent. You know, Bitcoin's increasing in adoption over 100% per year with people using it, while at the same time, you know, the inflation is, is slowing. So we can essentially think of the halvening as a slow down of supply. And, you know, as well as this, as we get more mature, there is an increasing demand for Bitcoin that perpetuates these cycles. So now, you know, for the first time, we're seeing countries, institutional funds, people like Michael Saylor, who are just buying every dip with millions and millions of dollars in conjunction with a slower supply, you know, is what causes these crazy spikes. But also once these new institutions are coming in, that's when crypto is getting more in the media for breaking record prices. And then more and more people pile in at these, you know, pretty high prices, pushing up the price even more. And this is what we call a hype cycle and often means the sector is overpriced. So yeah, it's easy to imagine how this happens because it's a simple aspect of human psychology and it's FOMO, fear of missing out. So everybody wants to be in with the new thing and everyone wants to wear their skinny jeans or be watching the newest Netflix show. So everyone wants to be talking about the newest crypto coin, Doge or Shiba or Dopex. So everyone wants to be up with the new thing and that's, that's all part of the hype cycle indeed. This is probably a great time to discuss Bitcoin's dominance in the market. You may have noticed that you know we have been talking about BTC here and not the crypto market as a whole. And this is important because currently Bitcoin makes up 42% of all the crypto value in the market. So when Bitcoin rallies or when Bitcoin increases in price, it drags the rest of the market with it. It leads the market often up and it often leads the market back down. And there's lots of people that just do this market cycle analysis on Bitcoin and then apply it to the whole market. And the more dominant Bitcoin is in the market, the more it has an impact. So I think December 2020, we were sitting at around 70% of all crypto market was actually Bitcoin, but now we're as low as 42%. So I think as the market gets bigger and bigger, I suspect Bitcoin dominance won't be as prevalent because it was back in 2015, it was something like 80, 90% of the whole market was yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah, mm. massive. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and this is because there's new projects now. There's NFTs, there's DeFi creating all this additional value, which basically dilutes Bitcoin's overall dominance in the marketplace. But regardless of that, you know, when we analyze BTC to assess market cycles, there are many different metrics out there that can help assess if the price is overvalued or undervalued. And a very famous analysis that is often referred to is called the stock to flow ratio, which is used to assess the value of other assets that are stores of value, kind of like gold. And the stock to flow ratios are used to evaluate the current stock of a commodity against the flow of new production. And you know this is very applicable to Bitcoin, particularly because we know you know, how much stock is coming online of Bitcoin or what the inflation rate of Bitcoin is over time. We all know that there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. And we also know that over the next 120 years of the, the rate in which 
bitcoins will be mined and, and, and minted and then released into the market. And this makes it you know, relatively easy from this type of analysis to understand potentially you know, what the price will be in not just five years, but 10 or 20 years. And there's some great, you know, there's some great analysis out there that you can check out. I, I will be the devil's advocate on the stock to flow ratio because you know, back in the 2015, 2014 days, you know, Bitcoin was 90% of the market. Every coin was just a copy of Bitcoin. But now it's a lot more complicated to analyze these cycles because now we have all those sectors we spoke about before, DeFi, NFTs, gaming, exchanges, and more layer one blockchains than was originally thought. So yeah, stock to flow is a good one, but I don't know if it takes into account, you know, 60 to 50% of the market yeah you know and you can look at it to analyze the whole market and many people do that but also you could just look at it to analyze bitcoin which is you know potentially a cleaner data set isn't the stock to flow top like 250 grand something like that or for bitcoin I, um I, I think i saw i think i saw fidelity which is a big u.s you know institutional custody bank um, release a stock to flow ratio analysis predicting that Bitcoin will one day reach a hundred million dollars per coin. <laughs> we should fact check and this. this is this, yeah, no, no. And they're an asset manager that has, I think, you know, several trillion dollars under management. And um, it was fascinating to see um, their analysis. In in my lifetime, Blake. Going? In my lifetime. Yeah. I'd have to check the the time scale on it, but um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, look, the industry as a whole has matured and the demand for Bitcoin and crypto in general has increased over the years. And I think part of that comes down to the improvements in the crypto infrastructure and its accessibility and, you know, the the increase in educational resources that are out there and a little bit more clarification as well from the government. And I think the fact that fiat currency is losing so much of its value due to uh, the money printing and the inflation that's gone on in the last 12 to 18, two years. But let's go to an ad break now. And when we get back, we'll look at why this market can be so volatile. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So to put it into perspective, the crypto market as a whole is smaller than Apple. The industry is so early, so the volatility is expected. Even now, we've seen over a 50% pullback in the last few months for the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum from its all-time highs. But also, the crypto market doesn't really stop. For perspective, the ASX is six hours a day and the crypto market runs 24 hours a day. It's 24 hours a day. That's full on. So I think one month in crypto is actually equivalent to about four months in the traditional stock market. Yeah. And these traditional markets are now affecting crypto, meaning it's a lot more correlated than what it used to be. It used to be completely uncorrelated when Bitcoin was like a quarter of the size of Apple, but now it's obviously almost on par. So we've actually now just seen a big sell-off on the NASDAQ and now this is happening in crypto. 
Why is this, Tracy? Why is this happening? Well, I'll tell you why, Craig. <laughs> so if you're looking at a traditional portfolio mix, crypto would be sitting at the very top as a high risk part of that portfolio. So investors will let this go at times of uncertainty. So when countries are all getting along well and the numbers are looking good, so employment and consumption and productivity and things like that, then investors are confident in the market and they're willing to take on these high risk assets and Bitcoin will sit there as a high risk asset. So in the reverse, when things are not going well and we're having events like COVID, which we call a black swan event and things aren't doing well, then they're going to get rid of those high risk assets. So in that way, Bitcoin and crypto is correlated with those markets that you just spoke about. So when we see things like these global pandemics, which cause the governments to kind of shut down their economies, we see these sell-offs of these high risk assets that Bitcoin is seen to be in these traditional portfolios. Well, generally, when in times of uncertainty, people flock to gold and silver. Do you think, Tracy, one day Bitcoin will be that safe haven asset in times of uncertainty or do you think it will always stay in that high risk category? I think it's slowly moving towards being a little bit on that side of things. I think, you know, it's we call Bitcoin, you know, we liken Bitcoin to gold and I think some people are seeing that as a bit of a hedge. I think it's a small amount of people, but I think it is being recognised as a hedge. Exactly right, Tracy. And, you know, as we see more institutional, like funds and governments and, you know, uh, these sorts of investors gain exposure to Bitcoin, they're just going to treat it like any other asset. And when markets are volatile, it's going to it's going to impact crypto. So we've defined what a market cycle actually is and looked at some of the reasons why we've had such swings high and low. Now let's look at some strategies to combat where we are at different stages of the market cycles, starting with the one strategy to rule them all. I always feel like I'm in Lord of the Rings when I say that. The one strategy to rule them all, which is dollar cost averaging. And this is my favourite as well. So, Blake, do you want to take us through the dollar cost averaging strategy and why this is the best? Yeah, DCA or dollar cost averaging is saying we've touched on before. And this is the process of incrementally purchasing an asset at regular or irregular intervals, such as daily, weekly, monthly, or quarterly. And this is what we do with our contributions to our superannuation. You know, quarterly, we, you know, we deposit in and average into the market over time. And statistically, it's one of the most successful long-term investment strategies because it removes the emotion of people trying to time the market. And most people naturally aren't very good traders. So relying upon a strategy that, that takes out the ability for you to make a mistake, you know, works for uh, most people. And we can outline why this works exactly from a very simplistic view. Let's use a basic math to illustrate this. This is not the factual price of Bitcoin. Let's say I buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin today and Bitcoin is worth $25,000. Then in two months, I buy another $1,000 when Bitcoin is trading at $45,000. And then again, in four months, I buy another $1,000 worth of Bitcoin and it's higher again at $60,000. Then the average price I actually brought Bitcoin for um, was $43,000 USD. And it's much better position than if I waited four months to put all that money in. So, you know, we've designed the Bamboo app to really embody this strategy for people. So trying to design out, you know, many of the mistakes that people make day to day when trying to 
participate in you know, volatile markets. Yeah, and I th- um, Fidelity actually did a study on the best investors and the best investors are actually dead people because they don't panic <laughs> <laughs> sell. They don't touch anything. They don't touch anything. anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's right, Blake. We actually got data from our users and we found that people who just DCA'd and chilled every week outperform traders by up to 10%. And the reality is people will get humbled trying to time the market. Ask any of us. I know that me and you. (laughs) Can I jump in here? Can I jump in here and say one of the things that someone said to me once, when you're trying to time the market, it's like a watch. You've got to time it going in and going out. You may as well just sit back, dollar cost average going in because you've got to try and you know, time it when it's up and time when it's down. You've got to get it right twice and it's never going to happen. You're just better off sitting back. Uh, there's a quote that says that, you know, it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, really <laughs> Time encapsul- in the market, yes. Yeah, well done. it's yeah. really about encapsulating this um, to, you know, to take the decision-making out of it. And, you know, that's what we've tried to package up for people at Bamboo. Yeah, so like we said, we've all fallen victim to trying to time the market and getting wiped out, but also a really handy indicator that I like to use to identify where we are in the cycle is the fear and greed index. Um, oh, you love this and you've one, got to go you? against your instinct trace because if you if you want to buy really badly, it's probably the, ba- a, a, the worst time to buy. And if mm-hmm. you feel sick about selling, it's probably the best time to sell. So going against your gut normally works out. In contrast to other markets, the crypto market is much more accessible, which is awesome for adoption, but that also means that it's a low barrier to entry. And that brings in all your moon boy Lambos who are not experienced with fundamentals. So they're the guys and girls that are out there when the price goes up, they're buying. And when the price goes down, they're selling. And we all know people like this and they are definitely the ones adding to the price volatility. Isn't that right, Craig? Yeah. And this is really different from the smart money and their strategy. Smart money refers to people who know the market, they know how markets work, they buy in at strategic times, either taking a long-term view, groups like your investment funds, your hedge funds, your professional investors who are normally buying when there's blood on the streets because they kind of know what they're doing. Usually they won't publicize that they've purchased an asset until after the fact because they don't want people to know if they've made a bad trade. But yeah, as the market matures the market becomes less violent like back in the day when bitcoin as we touched on before minimum liquidity 90 percent drawdowns were normal even ethereum our your darling tracy went down to 80 dollars mm, in mm. 2018 why weren't we buying bye bye why bye we bye, bye, bye. <laughs> look there's there's still going to be hype cycles for new industries like nfts and DeFi. and if we look at last year you know may 2021 crash we still continued on with a massive pump for the nft sector after that so there was you know still parts of the market that were slowly recovering and were having a bit of a boom in the nft cycle so there's still going to be sub sub industries that are having these little hype cycles we're going to see less and less correlation between sub industries within the crypto sphere um, you know, it's not going to be all correlated. We're going to see, you know, your DeFi go through you know, a cycle maybe sooner than the main market and then other cycles, um, intra, intra-cycle cycles. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and um, that's, that's, going to be, that's going to become more and more common. 
So hopefully, you know, you understand a little more about market cycles now and how they interact within the crypto space. And the data tells us that the crypto market volatility has actually been decreasing over the years and adoption is increasing rapidly, actually. And this is due in part to many of the reasons that we've outlined today. This inspires institutional and experienced investors to enter the market, which in turn gives the individual investors like you guys the confidence to also give it a go. On that note, let's leave it there today. And we want to know what you want to know about crypto. So please take part in our survey, which you can find in the show notes below, or send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io and follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. Don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. And that's it for us today. Uh, We'll see you next time. See you guys. See ya. Bye. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equitymates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 